You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo. I'm Michaela Hooper. And I'm Tia McNelly. This week, we are thrilled to have Banning Liebscher on the podcast. He is a pastor, a speaker, an author, and he founded a little organization you may have heard of called Jesus Culture. So we are so pumped to talk to him about his ministry, his family, and get a chance to uh, hear a little bit more about his brand new book. So Banning, welcome to The Collected Podcast. Oh, thank you. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, first of all, genuinely love what you guys are doing. Honestly, I was thank able to you. just kind of hear your guys' heart. It's amazing. I, I just love what you guys are doing and the why behind it and just praying thousands of these type of podcasts would happen. It's incredible. So thank great you. to thank be with you, you guys. You. Really awesome. good to be with you. <laughs> well, hey, why don't we start by, what? could you tell us a little bit about um, just your life, your family, what yep. your ministry is about? Fill us in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Banny, my name's Banny, by the way, you nailed my last name perfectly. Like, well mm-hmm. done. That's uh, a lot of teachers <laughs> were never able to get it. Uh, Banny Leapshirt, been married for 22 years to CJ. We have three kids. I have a 21-year-old daughter. I have a 17-year-old daughter. And I have a 14-year-old son. And uh, so that's really kind of my the bulk of my life right now, uh, especially in quarantine, is just being with teenagers a lot of the time. Um, I live in just outside Sacramento, California. So live in the Sacramento region and then uh, pastor a church. We started, I was on staff at a church in Redding, California called Bethel. I was on staff there for 18 years. I came on when I was 19, actually was born and raised in Redding and then uh, came on staff there when I was 19. And then about six and a half years ago, out of our youth group kind uh, came Jesus culture. Uh, a lot of people may not know, but uh, the, the main two worship leaders that everybody would probably know is Kim Walker-Smith and Chris Filala. Both of them were in our youth group. So Chris, who's probably 36 now, he was 12. He was like a middle school kid when I started. Wow. And uh, he was in my wedding when I was 14 and kind of my first ever spiritual son and practically lived in my house in high school. And so then Kim, right when she turned 18, moved and got involved in youth groups. So there was kind of this whole crew that came out of that youth group. We stayed together and still are together. And um, about six and a half years ago, uh, moved and planted a church five and a half years ago in Sacramento and Folsom. And so uh, I'm senior, I lead pastor church now. And uh, so that's what I do. I get to uh, pastor an incredible community of people. I get to be a dad to some amazing kids and husband to a really incredible wife. And and I get to do all that and I get paid to do it. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I get paid (laughs) to pastor some pretty amazing people and do all that stuff. So, and you write books. Yeah. And I write books. Absolutely. Yep. And I I write books just to kind of, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of books out there and there's a lot of authors, but in, in writing's, definitely a labor of love as far as the labor part, but my heart's just to encourage people. So part, uh, like what I want to do is encourage people. I want to come alongside them and challenge them and equip them and encourage them and inspire them. And so one of the natural outlets of that is to actually just sit down and write as well. So yes. I'm with you there. I feel that. That's good. I um I led a study on your book Rooted several years back. That was a transformational book for me. Oh, that's rad. That's that, was that such right a good there. Book. That's 
Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that book, I've been, uh, I remember years ago, there was a, I think it was Ian Bounds, um, but he wrote a book called Power Through Prayer, which was like written in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it was to pastors. But he said this phrase, and I read it in my 20s. He said, he said, it takes 20 years to make a sermon because it takes 20 years to make a man. So and I always in my 20s, I thought, well, I don't know, what does that even mean? Like, I don't know. But rooted, the reason why I say that is rooted is kind of that 20 years of kind of walking with the Lord in a pretty intense way and just learning about community and learning about intimacy and learning about serving. And 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 that's why I think rooted for me uh, was really something special because it wasn't just like, hey, here's some here's some sermons or whatever, but like, this is, this is what we've been walking out for the last two decades that now I think we can sit down and write. So that's encouraging to hear that it was impactful. Absolutely. And then you have a new book coming out, The Three Mile Walk. Yep. Where yep. did, Comes, where, where'd that message come from? Like where, where's that coming from? Yeah, well, it, it's all kind of even similar to Rooted in this, in that I want to come alongside people and encourage them. When I wrote Rooted, it was really trying to begin to give people some context about how the Lord works and what He's trying to do in your life and developing you in, in the process and in seasons. And I felt that if people could just see some context for how God works, then they'd be able to say, oh, this is a season, man, I can do this. Uh, Three Mile Walk is, it's not a sequel, but it's, it's along the same lines in that I really believe that we are at our fullest. I, I believe that we are most alive most thriving when we are engaged on the call that God has for us. Yeah. And so I, I really believe that everybody has a call in their life and, and I, I it, everybody has a call in their life and your call is not bigger than my call. My call is not bigger than your call. Like we all have a call in our life and it's a call to both be someone and it's a call to do something. So God is calling us to be someone and he's working to shape us and mold us into who he's called us to be. And he's also called us to do something. We're called to partner with him to change the world. And so I think what's on my heart is I see a lot of believers that aren't actually engaged, pursuing, moving towards <laughs> who God's called them to be and what he's called them to do. Yeah. And so this book is really built around, there's a story in 1 Samuel 14 where Jonathan and his armor bearer go take on the Philistines. <laughs> but this story is this contrast between Jonathan and his dad, Saul. Saul is sitting underneath, you know, the Israelites are encamped against the Philistines and Saul, the king, is just sitting underneath a pomegranate tree, content <laughs> to be looking at a distance, the Philistines, but not getting up and engaging. And then yeah. Jonathan, something just awakened in his heart where he just said, I don't want to sit. I want to get up and I want to move forward. I want to do something with what God's told me to do. And so the reason why it's called the Three Mile Walk is, is the Israelites were camped on one hill. Philistines were camped on another hill. And in between those two hills is a three mile valley. And so it's just that when you, when the Lord awakens your heart and, and you get this holy dissatisfaction that says, I don't want to sit. Mm -hmm. I want to be pursuing who God's called me to be. And I want to pursue what he's called me to do. When you step out on that journey, you very quickly find out it takes some stuff. And so that's that three mile walk, holiness, courage, faith, things like that. So, wow. and it's really to come alongside people too. I want to encourage them, but I, I want to just like challenge them and call them to live. I just think that people are not fully engaged. They're just, they're not thriving in their life because they're yeah. content to sit back. Yep. So yeah. that that's so what true. kind of the crux of it is. So it's based on that moment in Samuel, for Samuel 14. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's, awesome. That's exactly, I'm studying for Samuel right now. So oh, I, come on. I did not pull that from, from chapter yeah. 14. So I'm going to have to well, go back and great, read it again. It's this great little picture where, uh, uh, again, the, the Israelites are encamped against Philistines, but they're content to like just look across the valley at what God's called them to without really engaging it. Mm-hmm. And so I loved the picture of Jonathan, who, even though he was scary, even though it was risky, even though it took courage, even though it wasn't guaranteed to be successful, he just said, I got to get up and do something. Yeah. And I really think that that's what the Lord's doing. And I, I think he's just stirring the hearts of people to say, I have more for you than you're experiencing. There's more to the Christian life than what you're experiencing. <laughs> I told a story. It's interesting because I told a story. I First time I ever went to Las Vegas, I, um, you know, you, you see all the movies about Las Vegas. They're in all the movies. And so you're kind of excited. Like, I'm going to go to Vegas. Like, I'm not, I wasn't going to go to gamble. I was going to speak at a church. But, you know, you've just <laughs> seen all. Clear. Yeah. Just want to clarify real quick. <laughs> but I wasn't going to spend a week in gambling. But I got invited to go speak at a church. But you mm. see all the movies of Vegas. Like, all the, you know. So I get there and I'm in a hotel. It's a casino. That's where they put me up. And I'm, I'm going to get in the car and I'm walking through this casino for the first time. And usually you see all the pictures of like people having fun and laughing. And, but it was like the opposite scene. It was people sitting like zombies at these slot machines, looking depressed and just pulling the arm or pushing the button of these slot machines. Hmm. And, and it, was this, it was this picture that I actually kind of, kind of stuck with me that I see much of the body of Christ kind of like that, like not really alive, not fully engaged, yeah. not experiencing all that God has for them. Yeah. And they're just kind of, they're saved. They're going to heaven. Like they believe in Jesus, have been washed by the blood, have been forgiven of their sins, but they're not engaging. And so because of that, they're just kind of sitting in that kind of stupor. And I just want to come and just kind of, you know, shake them out of that thing and say, there's so much more to this Christian life yeah, than just sitting passively, like get up. But if you do, you're going to have to understand there's some stuff that you're going to need along the way. Mm-hmm. And so that that's kind of what I was talking about. But okay, yes, that's a- all for Samuel 14. And that's Jonathan and his armor bear. I love it. So are that's you so a awesome. three or an eight on the Enneagram? Okay, that's funny you ask that because <laughs> so... Everybody, they're like, you're an eight, you're an eight, you're an eight. Now, I'm in, to be to be fair, most of the world, and I don't say this arrogantly, it's just because I'm the lead pastor and I'm in charge. Most of the world that would say I'm an eight have probably, I'm just always in charge. But but I'm a three. And I kept mm-hmm. telling them, I'm like, guys, I'm a three. I'm telling you I'm a three. And they're like, no way, you're an eight, you're an eight. So I full on went and paid money, went to the Enneagram Institute, did the whole thing. <laughs> and I am a three. But eight is pretty close behind it. Like it's, Well, the it's, reason I, I ask is I'm a three and everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, <laughs> come on. Oh my totally, totally, my, I, was, totally. I actually had a, ba- a bad nickname at one point. I was called, I was called the boundary buster, <laughs> but it was affectionate <laughs> because it, it was that like, sounds amazing. I am not going to sit here and watch you live in a bubble. It is time for you to get uncomfortable. Yes. Let's yes. go to Kenya. And that was kind of yes. like, I was known to force people to go to Africa against yes, their will. And that's where they're most alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, on that edge, pursuing what God's called them to in that realm of faith, needing yep. courage. Absolutely. It's, it's mm-hmm. how we were, it's just the only way to live. But Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I love it. Are you guys threes as well? What do you guys? No. 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 I'm a two. 
So okay. I can, I can swing. I'm a no. two. I'm a two. I can swing to three if it's what's really needed of me. Yeah, totally. She um, three's real good. But I'm I'm mainly a two wing one. Okay. I'm I know from a lot that of realm. our administrative tasks for the podcast. Perfect. And and, I, and what I am far from that realm. I'm a seven wing eight. So Okay, there we go. Oh See, yeah. Not- You're grabbing onto a wing eight, are you? Yeah, I am. You have not shared that. I knew that, but I was never going to tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, this is a problem. Thought, I'm like, I, I know, like, six, the six is just not, I didn't. That's, that's I, I just amazing. Don't See, <laughs> yeah. I know that you're only supposed to have a wing four or wing two if you're a wing three, but I think I'm a three with a wing eight. I, I don't even think it's allowed, but can I skip don't over even all the rest? Don't even try that. Don't even. So don't good. even. I love it. Oh, oh man. Well, I'm glad three. we, we yeah. figured that out. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Um, so breaking the boundary. Back to the um, the concept of giving God your yes. That's something we talk about a lot at Collected. And just like taking the next first step. You yeah. don't have to have it all figured out yet. But in your life, as you've done this and lived out this concept of the three-mile walk, do you have any story? I'm sure you do. What is one story of <laughs> how you've just seen God blow you away or surprise you with what He's done yeah when you've said yes. Yeah. Well, I would say not to be melodramatic, but I'll give you a story, but it's just the last 25 years of my life, 27 years of my life. I had something when I was 17 years old, I grew up in a Christian home. So I grew up, uh, was genuinely saved at four, like genuinely got my Mm -hmm. mom's lap and said, I want to invite Jesus in my heart. I want to ask for giving my sins. But I, but I was kind of living my own thing. Just, just it wasn't super personal at that level. But at 17 years old, I was at a Sunday night service, sitting in the back. the The pastor gave an altar call, not for salvation, but just to respond to the message. And I remember going forward at 17, senior in high school, and I knelt down and I said, "God, if I'm going to do this Christianity thing, I'm going to do it 100 hmm. percent." And there were no goosebumps. There was no angels that appeared. There was no lightning bolts. It was just, I just said, God, I'm going to give everything I have to you. And, and everything changed that night. Like not, not gradually, like everything changed that night. And, um, and looking back now at 17, when I said yes to him fully, um, I just look back and like everything I've experienced right now has all been connected to filtered through a result of that set, that 17 year old. Yes. Ups and downs, highs and lows. It hasn't always been easy, but it's been connected. And I look back now, and whether it's Jesus culture, whether it's a church, whether it's what we've been the, tra- traveling around the world or whatever it's been, it's like, it's so crazy that it was connected to a 17-year-old who just knelt down on the altar, not even fully sure, except for just Jesus. I don't want to do this half-hearted. Yeah. I'm going to give everything if I'm going to do it. And then that's just been my consistent prayer. But just my consistent prayer is just, I'll still get before the Lord sometimes say, God, I know at 17, I said, I'll give you everything. But I just say it again, God, I want to give you everything. Like I, I don't want any of my life held back from you. But, but yeah, there's so many things that God's called us to. I, I remember probably the, um, we did a, this is a practical thing, but um, you know, when, uh, oh gosh, this is 2011 now. How crazy is that? But we went to an arena and we did our first ever kind of arena gathering in Chicago at Allstate Arena. But that gathering, in order to do that, so, um, you know, we had 14,000 come. It was this three-day event. You know, cost, we were putting on conferences for kind of 1,200 people that would cost, you know, a little less than $100,000 to put on. This was going to be one point. Two million to put on. It was all this stuff. 
but my yes happened two years before. Like in order to really do it, the Lord had been stirring our heart. And we just, I just said, all right, are we going to do this? Let's go do this. Not even fully knowing what we were saying yes to, except for we just knew like God was telling us to go do this. And, um, and so it, w- it was incredible. I remember being at that event, just walking into that arena the day before the event and just thinking, wow, people could have not shown up to this. Like this could have not worked out. I'm not even sure I knew what I was saying yes to. But, but again and again, I mean, everything we've done, whether it's plant a church, whether whatever it is, plant a church, do this, do that, it's all been in response to the yes, <laughs> to just saying, Jesus, I'll just say yes. And, and a lot of people have asked us, hey, how'd you get where you got? Or, or, or like, what's the plan you put in place? And they're looking for some strategic plan. Yeah. You know, like, did you have a 15-year plan that you laid out and worked backwards? <laughs> and and I, I, I hate being as simple as we are, but no, I just kept saying yes. I just kept right. saying, Jesus, I just say yes. Like, and, and if my reputation's on the line, if people don't show up, if, if it doesn't work out, if the book doesn't sell, whatever else it is, I gave you my yes at 17 and I just keep giving you my yes. Mm. And I, I do think mm. that this is what separates people. I don't think it's the call that separates them. I think everybody has a significant call in their life. I think what separates them is whether or not they'll say yes and continue to say yes. That is so true. I couldn't agree more. Now, yeah. you you have the Jesus Culture School of Leadership, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, I mean, that is basically people who are saying yes and stepping up yeah. and moving into a place of leadership, and you're giving them the yeah. training that they need. So here's a question. You were not prepped for this, um, but I have a feeling you'll be okay. So if you're leading a school of leadership— could you yeah. could you just off the cuff give us like your top however many two three five leadership principles that are like if you're gonna lead you have to get this right yeah absolutely I'm, I want this for well, me I'm so selfishly yeah. asking well, this <laughs> come on over Tvers okay. yeah come on threes I would say I would say right off the bat you have to own that you're a leader. This is John Maxwell 101, developing leader within you, that we're all leaders. Yeah. Uh, we all have influence. Whether or not we take responsibility for it or own it is different. But I think you have to recognize that God's called you to lead. Uh, maybe he hasn't given you a national platform to lead, but you're called to lead in your home. You're called to lead in your workplace. You're called to lead in your city. You're called to lead in your church. Like You're called to lead. And so, it, so leadership starts with that. It starts with owning the fact that I am a leader and am called to lead. And then once I own that fact, then I have to become, I mean, what qualifies you for leadership is a passion to grow. <laughs> this is the big one. Like you have to have a hunger to never stop growing. Yes, I good. think that's why Jesus is consistently talking about you have to be like a child. Chi- <laughs> this insatiable hunger to continue to learn and grow and never really arriving. I think the thing that, and I would say this, so, so the thing that qualifies you is growth in your life. It's not, you don't have to have arrived. You don't have to have perfection. You just have to have growth. The story we would tell is that when the Israelites were complaining against Moses and Aaron, and were in essence, were saying, who made you the leaders over us? God said, get all the tribes, have all of them bring a rod and put it before me and put Aaron's as well. So they do that, and the result is there's no growth on the rods of those tribes, but on Aaron's, there was growth. There was a bud, a flower, and then a ripe almond. 
the, the point being is that you don't have to be fully mature, but you better be growing. <laughs> like if you're not growing, then you're disqualified to lead. You just are. So, so I would say that constant thing that just says, I want to grow. And if you have a desire to grow, then it, then it requires humility in your life. So, so this would be the pattern. I've got to, first of all, take ownership of my call. It's not somebody else's job to do my Christian life. It's not somebody else's job to lead where God's called me to lead. It's my job. And I have to own that and take responsibility for that. Then I have to understand, well, I better grow then. Uh, and, and I better continually allow God to transform my life. And if that's going to happen, it requires humility because people are going to have to be involved. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I, I think that yeah. the reality is, is that, you know, humility says, one, I don't know everything. I need to grow. And two, it allows people in your life to give you feedback. Yeah. So one of the, the two best things I could tell leaders is this, get in the secret place, like establish a secret history with the Lord. like have a like understand just give yourself to the secret place be more well known in the secret place than anything else allow god to shape you and mold you and speak to you and and form you get in the word and then from there allow allow community to come and speak into your life we need feedback leaders need feedback and the reality is is that none of us have been given a 360 degree view of our life which means I have blind spots, mm-hmm. which yeah. means I have to have other people who, who see my life from a different perspective speak into my life in order to address those blind spots. Mm-hmm. And so, but that requires humility. It requires, it requires community. It requires feedback. So if you're hungry to grow, you welcome feedback. If you're hungry to grow, you'll stay humble enough to receive. So I just think as a leader, th- those are the big things. And it That's is great. just to just to own it. And then just, I mean, if you could just stay hungry to learn, mm-hmm. I want to grow. Yes. I don't want to stay where I am. Then you'll be all right. And I would say this, that on my own team, when we say, hey, a lot of people say, hey, how do you figure out who you're going to hire? For me, outside of a passion for Jesus, of course. But for me, number one trait is, are you teachable? Mm-hmm, yeah. Are you teachable? Like, are you in a place where you're hungry to receive input, to grow? Or are you defensive, dismissive, so insecure that you don't want to receive feedback or you think you've arrived or you're there? If that's it, you won't last with us. Yeah. So if you're teachable, if you're teachable, you're going to be great. That's, that's huge. Amazing. I love it. Thanks for I, indulging me. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. No, it's so, I mean, it's so good because I think sometimes it, I think sometimes it can seem a lot more like difficult and involved yes. and like there's such a simplicity to what you said. It's mm-hmm. like, take ownership, yeah. grow, yeah. be humble, you know, like. <laughs> so simple. So simple. And yet, like, I, I would wonder just, because I'm sure you've walked through this yourself and with others, but like when, as a leader, there is stagnancy, what do you, like, what are some things that you encourage your leaders or you've been encouraged to do yourself to step out of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. Cause that That's happens. A gr- great question. Well, I would say this, I would say that it's going to be hard to get stagnant. Two things. One is this, it's going to be hard to get stagnant if you are making sure you're following Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I mean by yeah. that is what's he calling me to? What's he calling me to? Like I, 
Um, and it, and and because he's constantly calling me off the map. It's good. L- like leadership is a life lived in over your head all the time. Like when you said yes to leadership, <laughs> you said yes to being in over your head all the time, stretched beyond your capacity. Yeah. Making just, it up just, as you go along. Yes, that's totally <laughs> it. And and anybody. And Beth Moore wrote an article about this one time. She's like, any young leader that tells you they knew what they were doing, like they're lying. They, yeah, because yeah. we all like, we're trying to figure it out because God's constantly calling us into deeper waters and he's constantly calling us off the map mm-hmm. into uncharted territory. So, so if you're following Jesus, really following him, then I think that it's hard to get stagnant. But the second thing is this, is I think as leaders, you have to be very, very aware of seasons. It's one of the reasons why I wrote Rooted, because there are sometimes, if you recognize that not every season is the same season, there's there's harvest season and there's planting season and there's rest season. So there's winter. You're not trying to, you're not trying to get out there and cut the wheat down or you're not trying to plant seeds. It's a time to rest. It's a time to prepare. It's a time to recharge. It's a time to be with your family, sitting by a fire, drinking coffee. Like there's there's those seasons. So many times as leaders, we're confused by seasons. And then there's seasons where you just better get out, man. It's harvest season. You got to get out and put the work in, long days. And then there's then there's planting seasons. And so I guess for me, my best advice for not getting stagnant is understand that seasons change and you have to pay attention to what season am I in? Almost always as a leader, I just want people to, I'm I'm asking them, what season are you in? Because if you can find out what season you're in, it will give you context in what you're supposed to be doing. I find a lot of stagnancy happens when I think I'm in the same season the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Burnout happens that way. Burnout happens because I think it's harvest season all the time. And if we're not seeing certain types of results and certain types of growth and certain types of this, and it should be this and it should be that. And it's like, it's not always harvest. Right. And, and then if I think it's just winter, if I think it's just rest season all the time, then boredom begins to. So I think if you understand seasons, you're constantly kind of having to step into something new or you're supposed to settle into what you're in, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then I totally. think just follow, follow Jesus. I That's, follow yeah. Jesus. Like if you just say yes to him, you constantly find yourself like, <laughs> this is the other thing. Can I just say one more thing? I, I, I guess I can. <laughs> yep, I'm, sure. Yep. Well, you know. <laughs> if, you guys didn't tell me to keep my answers short. Nope. I think if you always have a heart to serve, then, then, then you won't get stagnant in that. If success can That's look good. like making others better, if success is defined by serving others, whether I get recognition or not, whether I, whether I get any credit for it or not, isn't the matter. But if I can serve others by making, by if I have influence, if I have a platform, if I have encouragement, if I have wisdom, if I have finances, whatever I have, if I can use that to help others get where they're going, if I can use that to help Mm -hmm. others get successful, then man, that's just the way to go. And so stagnant sometimes you can get stagnant when life's just about you. Like everything I'm doing, everything I'm doing is just about building. I'll just use ministry because that's what I'm in, but everything's about building my ministry and it's about building what we're doing. It's about building whatever. But if I'm constantly just saying like, Lord, where are you calling me to serve other people? Where are you calling me to give finances? Where are you calling me to give resources or influence or encouragement or whatever else. Like this is the journey of going up with the Lord that just like, 
God, where are you taking me today when it comes to serving people? It's hard to stay stagnant in that mode too. Totally. That's amazing. Such a long answer. That's perspective though. Yeah. That's like seeing it from different eyes. Yeah. Like even just kind of like, well, maybe in the Lord, we really can't get stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and if you're bored or, or, and I would say sometimes stagnant is the Lord just trying to go, Hey, it's a season of rest. Is there Mm. any way you could just embrace that for a moment? Like (laughs) just embrace. It's good. I remember taking a month off. First time I ever took a month off and about two weeks in, I was bored. I was bored. And I remember going, I just need to stay in this mode. I need to not run away from this. And it was this really like, man, my inner world just got slower and quieter. And so sometimes, you know, we feel stagnant because we don't understand the season is rest and we don't understand what God's trying to do in that season. Mm -hmm. And other times we're stagnant because it's just about us or we're not actually following Jesus or whatever else. So Yeah. Okay, so I have a follow-up question. So how do, how do leaders then remain consistent throughout the seasons? Because the word consistency just, I know obviously like stay close to Jesus, but how do you cling to the vision or pivot the vision in a way that is consistent? That's just the yeah. word that I'm hearing. Yeah. I think in order to be consistent, you're going to have to, redefine what success looks like Mm. and um Hmm. i think consistency is just such a great question you're asking so let me let me answer it roundabout i think that we have a wrong version of success this is such a broad statement so forgive me for broad statements because i don't i think that they're i think that broad statements are not accurate because the body of christ is so big so diverse you can't say one statement somehow cover them Mm-hmm. But in the Western church, in a lot of ways, we've had the wrong definition of success. It's tied to uh, results or followers or whatever else we can measure. When you can't really ultimately define success outside of eternity. Mm-hmm. So I try to live consistently. The, Bible's makes, the Bible makes it clear that, one, we're going to stand before God one day. The Bible makes it clear that life is short. Mm-hmm. It's a vapor. It's a moment. It's it's grass that withers and goes away. It's smoke. And not only is life short, but we're going to stand before God one day and we're going to give account, not for our sins. Those have been covered, but we're going to give account for our life. Mm-hmm. So I try to live consistently by saying, okay, I'm going to stand before God one day. Success has to be connected to that moment. Is, is what I'm doing going to be going with me into eternity? And is, what I, and is Jesus going to ask me about it? So at the end of the day, and this is where consistency comes in, at the end of the day, success cannot be how many books I've sold. It cannot be how many followers I have. It cannot be how many people are coming on a Sunday morning. It, it's not connected to a number. It's mm. just not. It's not yeah. connected to how we would define results. It's not connected by that. Yeah. It's connected to faithfulness and obedience and love. So, so did I love well? Like, like, did I love Jesus well? <laughs> did, did I abide in his love and love him well? And was I faithful and obedient? Was I faithful to follow him? Was I obedient with what he asked of me? And so um, when I stand before God one day, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's about faithfulness and obedience in that moment. Listen, we're here talking about three mile walk 
and I want the book to sell and I want it to have an impact and I want all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before God and he's not going to ask me about how many books, how many books I sold. Three mile walk. He's, yeah. Me. Yeah. Three mile walk. <laughs> but he's not going to ask me how many books I sold. He's going to say, he's going to say, were you faithful yeah. to do what I called you to do? Were you obedient? And yeah. I'm going to say, God, I, I, hopefully I'm going to say, God, I, I did the best I could to, to serve, to be faithful, to love people, to serve your body, to encourage people. And even the three mile walk, this book isn't about book sales. It's about somehow doing whatever I can to be faithful to what God's called me to do, which is to speak life and encouragement to people, to help them on their journey with God, ultimately to see the world transformed. (laughs) And so consistency for me is tied to waking up every day and making sure I'm being faithful and obedient. Uh, just just wake him up every day and say, God, I just want to be faithful and I want to be obedient today. I don't have another version of success. Mm-hmm. I don't have something else I'm pursuing. I'm not pursuing something else. I, and, and this is going to sound crazy because I am a dream, big vision, change the world. What can God do with you type guy? But the reality is, is I'm not pursuing dreams. I'm not pursuing a vision. I'm just pursuing yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And and I just want to be faithful to what he's asking me to do. Yeah. And and I think consistency is connected to that. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where we get life and that's that's the that's where we find the greatest joy. Right. Is is doing that. And so cons- I can just tell you for me consistency is completely connected to waking up every day and saying, Jesus, I just want to do what you're asking me to do. I want to do my assignment, and I want to be faithful mm-hmm. in my pursuit of you. Everything yeah. else, it'll take care of itself. It will take care of itself. That's really good. Uh, so then if, but this is what I have to do. Go ahead. If we define mm-hmm. success as—thank you for the life coaching session, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if we, if we define uh, success as being— faithfully following Jesus, I yep. think is what basically what you've just said. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like our culture assumes that prosperity follows success. And I recently was just kind of digging around on this word prosperity and what it boiled down to for me was effectiveness. And so if we are being faithful in our pursuit of, of Christ, then we're going to be effective effective in making disciples like we're both successful yeah. and prosperous yeah. the things that we yes. set or put effort toward in our lives are going to be yeah. prosperous or effective do you have a different um no, definition of but it'd, be pro- effe- it'd, it'd be effective with what god's god's called you to we 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 are very impressed in the american church with things that jesus is not impressed by i'm not <laughs> saying they're bad i'm not saying they're evil i'm just saying we are extremely impressed and applaud things that he just is not impressed by yeah and and so so effectiveness cannot just be measured jesus had 15 20,000 people on a hillside i mean can you imagine think about this jesus has 15,000 people on a hillside this is the ultimate like if i'm a pastor i'm like this is the ultimate conference this is incredible and then jesus <laughs> said something that was so offensive that they all left but 12 they all left and he was left with 12 and yet jesus can still stand before the father and say this statement, I have not lost anyone you gave me. 
Mm. I haven't lost anyone you gave me. And so, and so effectiveness for Jesus was not the crowds. It was, yeah. I took care of the ones that you gave me. This is my prayer consistently. God, I just want to take care of the ones you've given me. Yeah, I don't want to lose who you've given me. But we are so infatuated with, mm. with numbers being the measurement for our effectiveness that, that we then, and listen, I think measure, I think numbers are one way to measure something. They really are. Like I, yeah. I, we get numbers and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, to think that somehow the guy who's got 30,000 people in his church is more effective than the missionary in India who's sitting with a handful of lepers day in, day out, loving mm. them, or the couple that moved to China, literally a family sold everything, moved to China to start an orphanage to take care of the um, special needs kids that nobody wanted. They don't even have that long to live, but they mm -hmm. just said, I want to make sure these kids are loved while they're alive. So we're going to move to China, start an <laughs> orphanage for special needs kids who nobody else wants and love them as if somehow their effectiveness is less. Yeah. So yes, I would agree with you. It's all about if, if I'm, if I'm faithfully following Jesus, I will be effective in what he's called me to. And whether that, if that's 30,000 people, great. If that's five people at a special needs orphanage in China, like this is what it's about. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the word effectiveness I am nervous about the word effectiveness in the Western American culture, probably. Right. Yeah. But, but you will be effective. You will, you'll do like Jesus just said, I didn't lose who I, I didn't lose who you gave me. Right. And I wish that was more of our prayers. Just Jesus. I want to know who have you given me and I don't want to lose them. And I love that, that what you just, just said turned the concept of prosperity on its head, just like Jesus would. You know, yes. that there's the, yeah. <laughs> the family in China is no less prosperous than the pastor of 30,000. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and that's and that's what we have to begin. And it's just joy. It's, you know, <laughs> like it's joy and it's it's peace and it's it's, you know, it's all these things. It's just the the fruit of the spirit at work in our life is is really where we're most satisfied and fulfilled. You, you know, totally. I love it. Yeah, man. Mm. Um, anything else you'd like to tell us about your book since I took us so far off track? I'm sorry. Uh, it's all part of it. Listen, I don't even, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's actually awkward probably just talking about the book. No. no, this is all my heart. My heart's just to encourage people and, and, and hopefully I have a real, you mentioned simple and practical. I have a real heart and desire to be simple and practical with people. I feel like we complicate things too much. <laughs> we try to make things so complicated. And so I think I just want to come alongside people and with Rooted and then with Three Mile Walk, it's just to somehow give them some context. Hey, God's got a call in your life. You're going to be most satisfied when you get up and engage it. And when you engage it, it's going to take a ton of courage. It yeah. takes faith. It takes holiness. It's scary along the way. There's delays that happen. We spend a whole chapter just on seasons of delay. People are so confused on delay. They just are like thrown off when something is delayed in their life, not knowing that God's at work in their life. They're thrown off by the wilderness. And so I find if I can just come alongside and say, hey, here's what God's doing and here's how he's doing it in your life. People are going like, oh my gosh, that's what's been happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I just spoke a message on Sunday about the gift of the wilderness that we think as believers, we should, we, never experience, we should never experience a wilderness, not knowing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into wilderness. And there are things that we 
receive in the wilderness. You can't get anywhere else. And so sometimes people are so frustrated in the wilderness until you say, no, God's actually doing something in the wilderness. And they're like, oh, okay, I can, all right. <laughs> like this wilderness has this. purpose. Yes, yeah. I can walk this thing out because God's doing something in my life right now. So my heart, three-mile walk, all of it is just to say, listen, I want you fully engaged. I want you pursuing what God has for you. I want you to become who God's called you to become. Mm-hmm. Honestly, even, uh, I'm talking to three women, but t- talking to the men out there, God's called you to be a man of purity. That walk alone takes so much courage. Like you may come from a long line. You may come from father and grandfather and great-grandfather who were womanizers or or who had sexual sin in their life. And, and now you're coming in the fourth generation of this thing, but God's called you. He stirred something in you that just said, you're not to stay where you are. I have more for you. And you, and something stirs you say, yes, I want to be that man of purity. I want to be that husband of purity. I want to be that father of purity. And you start pursuing that. And it's hard. (laughs) Like it takes courage and it takes faith and there's delays and it's, it's not always an easy walk. I just want to come alongside people and say, you can do it. Yeah, You've got yeah. what it takes. Do what's in your heart. I want to be the armor bearer, honestly, that just comes alongside Jonathan that says, do all that's in your heart. I am with you. God has called you to take on this Philistines and it's impossible, but he's with you. Let's go do it. That's really my heart for what I'm writing it. Mm. Love it. That is amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's an <laughs> honor to be here. Can we just make this a regular occurrence? If we could just yeah, like a weekly... <laughs> Life coaching session. <laughs> God, Michaela, listen, only because you're, you're from host Northern of California. The Podcast. Oh, thanks. Thank you, man. I'm a, I'm a guest host. Do you allow men to be guest hosts, though? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, then. All Anytime right, you sure. want, Banning, you are welcome to guest host the Collected <laughs> Podcast. Welcome. Can we'll we just go ahead and, and list that on our description? <laughs> done. Done. Oh, I'll just get up and get on my soapbox and rant about all this stuff. Perfect. Oh, oh well, thank it. you so much. So I could not help but think about a moment in in high school when we were completing miles in PE and we'd get to the three mile mark. And I remember our PE teacher being like, you get past this point and the fourth mile is going to be so much easier. And I was always like, sure, you know, like, yeah, like, okay, whatever you say. But I remember like the three mile mark and being like, I got this, like one more mile, like Mm. it's nothing. And I just kept thinking about that as Banning was talking about that three mile walk and how it can feel lengthy and it can feel really hard. But stepping into that is so important because it gives us the endurance to get to mile four yeah. and five and seven. So, That's so gosh, good. that was so, I mean, I was just like a sponge Y'all, soaking I'm it all sorry. in. I, hate I just zoned in. Same. <laughs> it was good. It was yeah. So good. Oh, man, so, I would love to go to the Jesus Culture School of Leadership. We just did. I think we might we did, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we just yes. gave you a free installment <laughs> of the right. Jesus Culture School of Leadership. Yes. You're welcome. Guys, you've got to go get this book as soon as it comes out. 
Well, what? It's this week. Yeah. So Yeah, it came out yeah. two days ago. Grab from it up. This episode drop airs. So yeah. if you're listening to us on drop day or whenever you listen, oh. it is out now. Yep. We have links to it in our show notes and on our blog. Um, and we should and link to Rooted too, because it's If so you're good. new to our podcast, um, because you popped into here, Banning's Amazing Wisdom, um, <laughs> check us out on Instagram at Collected Workshops, or um, our website is collectedworkshops.com. We have a lot of stuff going on, not just the podcast, um, retreats, camps, and we would love to connect with you. So give us a follow or um, send us a message at hello at collectedworkshops.com. Um, and if you really love what you heard and you'd want to support us financially as a patron, there's a link to our Patreon site down below in the show notes as well. Um, and that really just blesses us and allows us to continue on with our ministry. Yes. Well said, Jess. Thank you. Thanks. I'm getting a lot better at it. You're, you're awesome. Guys, we so enjoyed being with you, and we hope that you have an amazing couple of weeks. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is brought to you by the Gebhardt Sleep Group at Baird Financial, delivering personalized financial advice that helps clients reach their long-term goals. Visit gebhardtsleepgroup.com or see our show notes for links and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is recorded and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Alon.